hey there. Wasn't expecting to see you. How are you doing? I don't know, I guess you're looking a little disoriented. Maybe disoriented is the right word, right? For how most of us are doing right now. Global pandemic, political volatility, awakening to the justices of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, we are just so distanced from our, from each other, from our normal lives. There's so much unknown. Disoriented might be a really great word for it. This kind of disorientation is captured in the book of Psalms. It's the longest book of the Bible, and it articulates Israel's, the people of God's expressed experience through song and prayer over the course of a thousand years, and they do not pull any punches. God's people show us how, especially in times of disorientation, how our emotional world, our experience needs to be brought into speech, and that speech needs to be directed to God, which is what Israel does and what we are to do. And it's not only for times of disorientation. You see, one way to read the Psalms is to see that most of them and our lives too fall into three seasons of orientation, so being grounded in who we are in the world and God's place in that and the reliability of God, disorientation, the loss of stability when things no longer work because things have changed, and reorientation, finding a new way of being on the other side. So the Psalms fall largely into these three seasons as well as the movement in between them. So first, when we relinquish, when we lament, when a dying happens to what has been and we move into disorientation. And then the surprise that always meets us, right? Resurrection, something new moving us with Thanksgiving into a new orientation. So this, this is how we are going to read the Psalms together this summer. Finding our current, hard reality articulated in these ancient voices, giving voice to whichever season we are in. So, how are you? Really? However you are, I invite you to breathe, to open, as we turn to the Psalms of Summer together now. Right, friends, we are indeed in the Psalms of Summer. Just offering a reminder to you to read the Psalms, open them up, see what you find when you spend time in the Psalms, and use this lens of orientation, disorientation, reorientation that we're talking about from Walter Brueggemann. See what resonates for you, remembering the fullness of human experience that is captured for us as God's people. It is such a gift as we just seek language to live in this hard time in our world. So now today, today, just take a deep breath with me as we settle into our sermon time. We are going to dive right into the psalm that we have for today. And it's another big emotion that we're looking at. If you missed last Sunday, go back and watch. It was so great. Thank you to Pastor Ryan who led us through an experience of examining our anger. I'm so grateful for how folks just shared a lot and, and commented and did some intentional work around anger. We got some great messages during the week. So thank you for that. And today we hold against kind of that experience, uh, uh, another powerful emotion. 
and it is that of wonder. There are many psalms of wonder and awe in the book of Psalms, and we're turning to Psalm 19. So for now, we'll just read the first six verses, and then we're going to come back later and read the whole psalm, so we'll come back to it. But I just want to name this so we just get the energy of it, start to hold it closely, mindful mindful of the spirit that's in there, as that's what we're trying to get into today as we go through this time together. So here is Psalm 19. Imagine these as your own words, okay? Okay. The heavens herald your glory, O God, and the skies display your handiwork. Day after day they tell their story, and night after night they reveal the depth of their understanding. Without speech, without words, without even an audible voice, their cry echoes through all the world, and their message reaches the ends of the earth. For in the heavens the sun has pitched a tent. It comes forth with the grandeur of a wedding procession, with the eagerness of an athlete ready to race. It rises at one end of the sky and travels to the other end, and nothing escapes its warmth. Do you feel the wonder there that the psalmist is experiencing? Just stepping back and marveling at the vastness, the stability, the interconnectedness of the events that happen in the sky above us. The heavens herald your glory, O God. This is a psalm of summer, really, in the best sense, as this is what we do, right? When we look at the sky in the summer, we asked earlier this question of, when have you experienced wonder recently? Maybe you had a chance to respond to that in the comments already, or you've been thinking about that. Continue to hold that question, but also kind of let it be broadened as we widen this experience and conversation of wonder that we're going to have now, okay? And it will be a different kind of experience that we're going to have, and I'm excited about it. So, to set up our experience, I want to offer a little something from a great book that I read a few years ago. It's called Here is Real Magic, A Magician's Search for Wonder in the Modern World by Nate Staniforth. Again, I'll say the title, Here is Real Magic, A Magician's Search for Wonder in the Modern World. I know Gila has read it also. Uh, we've talked about it. Rob Bell interviewed Nate Staniforth on the Robcast, his podcast, a few years ago. So others may have also heard of Nate Staniforth also. And Nate is a professional muse- uh, magician. He has never had another job, which is pretty great. This is a beautiful book, and I highly recommend it. And I want to offer it for us today because today there is something about magic, something that it connects us to. So in the beginning of his book, Staniforth tells of how his interest in magic came through a few experiences in childhood, long before he became a magician, at a time before he knew anything about tricks. So one of those experiences was when he was seven years old, he was gently nudged awake by his folks in the middle of the night, and then charioted away in the back of the family car with his brother and his sister all wrapped up in blankets as they headed through the dark night about 15 miles out of Ames, Iowa, where they lived, until they pulled off onto a gravel road. Climbing out of the car, Nate was uncertain why they had come, and then he looked up. And this is what he says. So I'm going to be reading for a few minutes. This is just so good. So please, like, engage your body as you listen to what he writes. This was not the sky. I had seen the sky. I knew how the sky looked at night. And this was some different thing entirely. 
The comforting veil of faint stars that mildly wrapped every other night had been replaced by a void of terrible space and time and distance, stretching infinitely up and infinitely away forever. There was Mars. There was the Milky Way. There was the universe in all of its awful, overpowering majesty, towering above us, inexplicably high and distant, hostile and beckoning, dangerous and wild, a haunted place where we were the only ghosts for miles. Then the meteor shower began. My dad led us up a low hill and laid the blankets on the wet grass. I don't remember how long we lay there watching the sky, but I became aware for the first time that the entire planet, the oceans, London, Mount Everest, everything, lay directly and totally behind me. Somehow the night sky had unveiled the true nature of this road, mistaken during the day as a gravel route through a cornfield, but revealed now as the final patch of earth at the very edge of the world. That night, the mystery of our situation felt like one grand miracle, hidden just out of sight, unless you really try to see it, that there is something rather than nothing, and that we are here to be a part of it. Surely this is amazing. My friends, doesn't this sound like our psalm? Doesn't this sound like... Maybe you have experienced this too, if you tried to see the comet maybe in this last week. So Stanforth goes on. How is this so easy to forget? How is this so easy to ignore, silence, or overlook in the pursuit of other things? Even at a young age, we learn the universe is filled with loneliness and fear. But lying there, clinging to the blanket... As the earth spun and the meteors fell and the whole of existence stood out on display, I recognized that whatever else it was and whatever I became in it, the universe was also filled to the very cusp with wonder. Now, decades later, I worry that the experience of wonder becomes harder and harder for me as I get older. This has nothing to do with education. Wonder is not the product of ignorance but it does have something to do with certainty. As an adult, I am tempted to establish and reaffirm at all times the boundaries of my existence, to say, this is my life and I have a good grip on it, like an ostrich with his own personal kingdom under the sand. But my favorite moments are the ones that shoot this certainty full of holes that barge in unannounced and track mud all over the carpets that grab me by the shirt, drag me out into the street and say, in effect, wake up, you fool, and open your eyes. There is more to it than that. So if I were to tell you about my experience as a human being, I wouldn't tell you about my triumphs or my defeats. Everyone has them, and they're more the result of life than the actual stuff of its creation. I wouldn't tell you about my fears or my suffering. Again, everyone has them, and mine are not particularly unique or acute. All things considered, so far I've been pretty lucky. Instead, I would tell you about the moments I have stood wrapped in awe or quiet with wonder, and in so doing, seen beyond the surface of things. I've spent most of my life and all of my career trying to understand this experience, yet it has never become commonplace or ordinary. 
On the contrary, it stands out as one of the only experiences in this world that is wholly good. Wonder, astonishment, magic, that sense of waking up and seeing things the way you saw them before they became ordinary. This is the root of it all for me, the curious joy and the primal dread of the unknown. There's something there in the dark sky at night or in the bare branches of the trees against the gray November clouds or in the summer wind as it comes in from the sea or with the smell of another land. As it comes in from the sea with the smell of another land just over the horizon, reminding us that the universe, the world, and the human heart are larger and more mysterious than we can possibly imagine. This is magic. So this, all of this came first. The magic tricks came later, and the less we dwell on them, the better. This is not a book about tricks. This is a book about magic, the experience of magic, and you can find it anywhere. People find it in music and movies, in mountaintops or conversation, in the night sky or in the moonlight sonata. Magic tricks are just a way to remember something you already know, or maybe knew and then forgot somewhere along the way. Take them for what they are, and they're nothing. You can't look at them. You need to look through them, like a telescope. From Nate Staniforth, here is real magic, his book. Man, you can just hear it. The heavens herald your glory, O God, right? So friends, today in this time, I want for us to remember something we already know, or that we knew and forgot somewhere along the way, today is about remembering wonder. And so today, for the next 10 minutes, we get to enjoy a magic show. That's right, a magic show. And it's not about the tricks, right? The tricks are the telescope that we look through to remember and how this experience now can remind us that it is everywhere. Rachel Horton, our children's ministry person, she has a dad who is a professional magician, and out of the goodness of his heart and under the limitations of COVID, he prepared a magic show for us. Huge thank you to him and to Rachel. If there are kids watching right now, awesome, enjoy, this is for you too. Parents, if your kids aren't with you right now, if you'd like, let it stay that way and let this just be for you for now. But then please come back to the video and watch it again later with them and enjoy their wonder too. And if you're someone who's sitting there going, wait, what? A magic show right now? Why are we watching a magic show during church? Then this is especially for you. So friends, take a deep breath and enjoy a little magic. Hello, Salt House. I'm Rachel's dad. Now up here in Maryland, uh, where I've lived for a number of years, people call me Magic Mike. Uh, I was a performing magician for quite some time. I'm mostly retired now, but Rachel twisted my arm long distance, and uh, she convinced me to pull a few things out of the mothballs and hopefully entertain you for a minute or two. Now first, if I'm gonna do some magic for you, you have to have your observational skills dialed in and make yourself uh, keenly aware of what's going on. So let's do a little observation test. Number one, let's look at these, all right? I'm going to show you each side for five seconds. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. Look close. There will be questions. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. Question number one is an easy one. How many cards were there? Now, if you said five, you're on the right track. You're one for one, but the questions get a little tougher. Number two, 
What was the card on the bottom? Well, if you weren't watching close, you might have missed the fact that it's the Ace of Spades. Question number three, what color were the backs of the cards? If you said blue, nice try, but not exactly. The backs are red. And if the backs are red, what's on the other side? Well, of course, it's the royal flush in spades. Now, if you have figured out how that's done, you might as well stop now because there's probably not a lot I can show you that's gonna mystify you. But if not, let's continue. Now, people say, Mike, how in the world did you become a magician? And I owe it all to my, uh, my crotchety old grandfather. Practiced magic for 35 years, woke up one morning and gave it up on the spot. Uh, they say he got disillusioned, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. But it all starts with a piece of rope. When he tried to teach me how to tie a knot, we would twist and turn and twist and turn and twist and turn. But I was a young kid and I was kind of bored with it. And I figured there had to be something more entertaining to do. And sure enough, there was. Because if you just blow on the rope, and it's amazing what you can do if you don't brush your teeth, it, uh, the ends just come right off. And of course, if the ends come off, that means it's a rope with no ends, and ropes with no ends don't ever need to be tied, you see. But that doesn't say much for patience and practice and perseverance and all that other good stuff that's supposed to be meaningful in life. And I figured if you just go ahead and take the ends and twist it back here, roll it on there, roll it on there, twist it around again, blow on it again, the ends come right back on and we're ready to start from the top. Of course, the whole exercise was meant to teach me how to tie a knot. So I finally learned how to tie a square knot. You come this way, reverse field, come back and go this way. And that makes a square knot. But I noticed this rope felt kind of soft and I thought it might need some scientific testing. So I pulled out my ever sharp and lethal skin scissors. I know they don't look like much, but it's a really dull rope. And if you take ever sharp skin scissors and cut here, you now have two pieces of rope that are cut in the middle. Oh my, oh wait. I think I missed the middle by a long shot. Uh, that doesn't look like it's in the middle by any way, shape or form. Uh, because I have one very long piece of rope over here, and I have one short piece of rope over here. And uh, about the only thing a magician could do at that point in time is just to go ahead and wave your hands and change it back into one piece of rope and start all over again, you see. Now, does anybody want to know the secret of the rope? If you do, and I know there's a lot of kids there, raise your hand and repeat after me. Say, I promise, I promise, to learn this trick, this trick, to keep it secret, keep it secret, and never tell anyone how it's done forever and ever. I promise to clean my room. I promise to make my bed. I promise to take out my trash. <laughs> I'm sure they're, they've all, all uh, bailed out at this point in time. But for all the grown-ups out there, I promise to claim all my income on my 1040 and how many hands are raised now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let me explain how this work works. I cheat. Rope is made up of a bunch of little threads and I actually pull the threads out of the center. So the inside of this rope is indeed hollow, kind of like a tunnel system. So if I take this end and push it down and push it all the way in, 
and blow on it, it will run through the tunnel and out the other side. Same thing over here. If we take this end all the way down, go here, and blow, we'll take it a long way. This time we'll go down, across, up, and out the other side. And now over here, where the ends used to be, that's the middle. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly how you do the rope trick. Thank you very much. Now, if you have time for one more, I do this only because it's one of my daughter's favorite things. It all starts with a scarf. And a ball. Now, I talked about this trick, uh, doing this trick with my friends, and one of the great secrets magicians have is the element of surprise because we know what's gonna happen before you do. So when it happens, it seems like a surprise, but I'm gonna break those magic rules because I'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen before we do it, and it's still gonna happen right before your very eyes. And I did talk it over with my magic friends, and they said, Mike, you're crazy for doing this. And so, of course, I thought about it, and I did something about it, and I have a whole new set of magic friends now, and they're all behind me. Amazing how that works. You take a ball, put it underneath the scarf. I'm going to take the ball, blow on the ball, and the ball is going to completely disappear. Are you with me on this one? All right, needs intense concentration. The ball under the scarf, watch carefully. And it's gone. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it went up my sleeve, right? I tell you what, I'll do it again. I'm going to take a little well, put it underneath the skirt, get up there, and I'm going to make it disappear. Watch carefully. Thank you, Salt House. You've been a great audience. Enjoy the rest of the day. Peace.
So fun, right, Salthouse? So good. Oh, just let that goodness like sink in for now. I found myself like giggling through it. It just was really lovely to experience that. How about you? Man, and it isn't about the tricks, right? They tap us into something that we know deeply, into wonder. So I just want to offer us two final reflections about wonder, okay? And then we'll, then we'll be done. So the first is this, that I had an aha moment about wonder this week. So I mentioned at our small group meeting that we had this week uh, to the group that we would be talking about wonder today, and we all named how, man, this would be such a great break from the weight of the world right now. And we spoke of wonder as just an escape from the weight of COVID and politics and racial injustice and the questions of what school will look like in the fall. But as I returned to Psalm 19, and then I flipped to other psalms of wonder, I realized that wonder isn't something that draws us away from reality or that distracts us or entertains us. Wonder is not an escape. Just listen to the flow of Psalm 19, okay? So we read the wonder part at the beginning, the awe of the sky, but see what the psalmist does, where the psalmist goes with this experience of wonder, what it leads to. So here's the whole psalm, Psalm 19, 1 through 14. The heavens herald your glory, O God, and the skies display your handiwork. Day after day they tell their story, and night after night they reveal the depth of their understanding. Without speech, without words, without even an audible voice, their cry echoes through all the world, and their message reaches the ends of the earth. For in the heavens the sun has pitched a tent. It comes forth with the grandeur of a wedding procession, with the eagerness of an athlete ready to race. It rises at one end of the sky and travels to the other, and nothing escapes its warmth. Your law, Yahweh, is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Your rule is to be trusted. It gives wisdom to the naive. Your purposes, O God, are right. They gladden the heart. Your command is clear. It gives light to the eyes. Holding you in awe, Yahweh, is purifying. It endures your decrees are steadfast and all of them just. They are more precious than gold, than the purest of gold, and sweeter than honey, than honey fresh from the comb. In them, your faithful people find instruction. There's great reward in keeping them. But who can detect one's own failings? Forgive the misdeeds I don't even know about. Keep your faithful one from a presumption as well so that my faults never control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of a grave error. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. So that's the full psalm, Psalm 19. Do you get a sense of that flow, the energy of that? It begins with this section of awe at the natural world, this experience of wonder. The heavens herald your glory, O God, and the skies display your handiwork. Then it shifts to talking more directly about God. Your law, Yahweh, is perfect. It refreshes the soul. These are verses that follow about being oriented in God's goodness, right? Then it shifts again to self-reflection and the psalmist remembering who they are in a dynamic relationship with God and their place in the world, ending with, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. So it's wonder leading into being oriented in God and then oriented in self. 
You see, wonder isn't an escape. It doesn't draw us out of hard reality. Wonder draws us more deeply into reality. So my aha this week with wonder was to see how it's used in the Psalms, that wonder in the Psalms is not an experience of disorientation, like it's not an escape of some kind, but the Psalms of wonder are expressions of deep orientation and reorientation. These are psalms that express awe at who God is, at who we are, how it all works. These are psalms that express a deep sense of identity and wholeness and groundedness. That's what wonder is and what wonder does in us. And I wonder if that's surprising to you. It was to me. Like I saw wonder as something that gave me like a break from like the weight of everything. But instead it's actually something that awakens us to what is. Wonder gives us perspective in how to continue to be present with everything. Like how Staniforth put it, he says, you know, the experiences of wonder help us remember something we already know, or maybe knew and then forgot somewhere along the way. And you see this happening in real time as we read through Psalm 19. So this is what we hear today. Two things first, what we just named, that God has created us for this wild experience of having our breath taken away again and again through the experience of wonder being caught by surprise or the unexpected. God offers us wonder, not as an es- to escape the hard realities of life, but to awaken us to what we already knew and ground us deeply into who we are, the orientation. So that's the first thing about wonder. And the second final thing I want to name, I want to share just one more brief passage from Nate Staniforth, reflecting on his journey to find wonder in the modern world, because it speaks to our journey to embrace wonder as part of the life of God. So from Nate Staniforth. I think you have to grow up twice. The first time happens automatically. Everyone passes from childhood to adulthood, and this transition is marked as much by the moment when the weight of the world overshadows the wonder of the world as it is by the passage of years. Usually, you don't get to choose when it happens. But if this triumph of weight over wonder marks the first passage into adulthood, the second is a rediscovery of that wonder, despite sickness, evil, fear, sadness, suffering, despite everything. And the second passage doesn't just happen on its own. It's a choice, not an inevitability. It's something you have to deliberately go out and find and value and protect And you can't just do it once and keep it forever. You have to keep looking. Friends, we are living in a time when the weight of the world is overshadowing the wonder of the world. Like, it it just feels that way so much, so often. Like, we have grown up, right? Like, we feel that shift. But the story of God invites us into what Staniforth names here, what we see in Psalm 19, that second passage into growing up, which is the rediscovery of that wonder, despite sickness, evil, fear, sadness, suffering, COVID, online learning, job loss, homelessness, depression, isolation, racial injustice, despite everything. And this passage is a choice, not an inevitability. So the second final thing I just commend to us is this invitation to be open to keep looking for wonder. It's a choice. At its best, wonder surprises us. So on, on, a, on one level, like we can't like make wonder happen, right? But we can be ready to see it when it does. 
Are you game for being surprised by wonder, even in these hard days? Are you? Yes? Man, me too. So as we close this time, we're going to shift into a moment of a little musical wonder. Uh, My mom, Susan Walbrecht, she's an organist at Smamish Hills Lutheran Church, and she shares that position and has for years with her good friend, Carol Churchill, and they recorded a piece uh, for worship, which is a duet arrangement of the well-known piece, uh, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring by J.S. Bach. So my mom is the one playing the organ, and Carol is on the piano. And we're just going to offer this as a little soundtrack uh, for wonder right now. And as they play, I invite you just to check in with yourself with, with what God is saying to you in this and to be present to any of your own ahas that might be coming together for you this morning about wonder. Or maybe you want to share that moment of wonder that you've had recently and just name that. Or just something else related to wonder that's just with you today. So please share in the comments on YouTube or on Facebook as those things come up for you. And friends, as we do this work now and in the days to come, may you find the wonder that is there for you to find today and always. Amen? Amen. Amen.